course, together we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. After we do this a few times, I'm going to open up tonight for a scripture shower. So I'm actually going to be ready with the scripture. Maybe you have a favorite scripture that you even know on heart that you want to stand and sit and say to this group of people tonight. So we're opening up after we sing this course together. We bring the sacrifice of praise.
Jesus and if you love me, keep my commandments. Without faith, it's impossible to please God for those who come unto him, must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The way to tell sin is death, but the gift of God will turn away from Jesus Believe on the Lord thy God, and thou shalt be saved.
look at the world. I choose to look at the scriptures that says the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Well, Lauren, you said my testimony first, but anyway, it's mine too. Uh, bless the Lord on my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. By this, they will know you are my disciples. Do not fall upon Psalm 115 and 3. Our God is in the heavens and he does as he pleases.
cousin who was eight months old and he was diagnosed with cancer and he had a tumor. We've been praying for the last eight months. And, uh, a couple weeks ago, you remember my grandparents were here for some sermon. We were talking, and I said, Nan, today is a miracle service. The pastor wants us to go. She said, When you go, go. He's praying for great. That's his name. And so we did walk through the miracle line. That was a powerful night. Later that week, because Brayden was supposed to have surgery. Eight months old, supposed to have surgery. There's a tumor in his back, short of the spine. Later that week, my aunt messaged me. Send you a message. Did you get it? Hurry, hurry. Opens it up, and I got the message. And she said, Awesome news. Brayden's tumor is over 90% gone. No need for surgery.
work of Calvary. We thank you today for all that you are. For you're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're our great shepherd today. You're the lily of the valley. You're the bright and the morning star. You are the first and the last. You are our living bread. You are our everlasting fountain. You are our living water. You are our all in all. You're our savior. You're our shield. You're our deliverer. You are our fortress. You are mighty to save. You are all in all. You are the baptizer and the Holy Ghost. You are the soon and coming king. You're our peace. You're our El Shaddai. The God of plenty. You're our miracle worker. You're our divine healer. Oh, hallelujah. We give you praise tonight, Jesus, for all that you are and all that you have been. We now pray for these needs that we pray for this morning. For the families that have been caused to mourn. You said, blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted. You have promised that you would be our comfort. You would be our strength. And you would be our portion in the land of the living. Oh, put your arms round about those that are bereaved. We pray for those, Lord, who are in this accident this afternoon. We pray for the rattles right now, Lord. I pray for complete healing on their bodies. I pray there will be no results from this accident. But I pray complete restoration in the name of Jesus right now. We claim it. And we thank you for what you've done. We pray for this accident near Robert's heart this evening. Lord, you know the families involved. And I pray even now they would sense the presence and the power of the risen Christ in their lives. And we now believe it in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for all those who need healing. Those who need deliverance. Those who need a miracle. We claim it now because by your stripes we were healed. Not to you then fear my name. Will the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in his wings? For I am the Lord that healeth thee. He sent his word and healed all manner of sickness and disease. And greater things shall you do in my name. We now claim it, O God. Now, O God, I pray that the Spirit of God will permeate our hearts. Lord, we confess now to you if there are any thoughts in our mind. If there are any thoughts in our heart that is not coexistence in Scripture, we confess our sin. We ask you to forgive us. May we harbor no ill feelings towards one another. May we forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. May we feel the unity of the Spirit. Lord, if there be anything in our life, unlike you, if there is anything between my soul and the Savior, we now doth confess it, and we ask for complete freedom in the Holy Ghost. Lord, we claim this victory now, and we stand on your word. We believe it to be done, and we claim it for you. Now, Lord, in these moments, continue to minister to your people. In Jesus' name we pray.
book of Exodus, chapter 3. I want to thank God tonight for his faithfulness in my life this past week. I uh, had a birthday, and I've done a lot of reflecting on the years that God has blessed me with. And I have to thank God for his faithfulness. You see, God's always faithful. And I thank God especially for the call that he placed upon my life when I was a teenager to preach the gospel. And uh, the ministry didn't come easy for me. It wasn't something that I wanted to do or saw a lot of glamour in or anything like that. It didn't come easy at all. God really had to work on me. And uh, back those years ago, our fellowship was male dominated for the most part. And uh, that was a big thing that I would always question God about. How am I going to be able to do what you've called me to do when there are mostly men that are pastors and, and I'm a girl? And I struggled with that big time. Uh, my grandmother was a pastor all her life, never ever cashed a check in her name. And in my day, I knew I was going to Peterborough to uh, study to be a pastor, and I knew I was going to come out with some really good, hefty debt, and I had no clue what I was going to do if I couldn't pay my debt, if they didn't hire women. Well, God got someone to pay my debt. <laughs> How awesome was that? No, seriously. But so many churches that we have pastored uh, put their confidence in me. And I'm so thankful to God for that. It's not because I'm good or because I do everything well, because I don't, and I know that. <laughs> but I'm thankful that God is faithful, amen? God's always faithful. And there are days in my office when I look at where I am and I am humbled, totally, entirely humbled by the call of God. And the faithfulness of God. Sometimes I just shake my head and say, God, you're just so faithful. I can't even fathom it sometimes. But I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of God in my life and in our family. We're reading tonight from the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. The title of our sermon is simply three words. God is enough. God is enough. And in the past weeks, God has really forcibly laid this scripture on my heart. And we're going to read the account of Moses. And we're turning to Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to begin to read at, let's start at verse 1. I was going to say 5, but let's start at verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. That's another sermon there. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him, out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Here's where we're picking up our text tonight. And he said, Draw not nigh 
shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the children of Israel, is come unto me, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them then? So here's the dialogue going back and forth between God and Moses. And God said unto him, unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover, unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Then we're going to go skip down to chapter 4, verse 1. 4, verse 1. Moses answered and said, But behold, and the dialogue is still continuing, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Then let's skip down to verse 10. Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have I? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And Moses says again, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, O God, because your word is powerful. And in this service, we stand upon your word. We stand upon your promises. We stand upon what we read and what we believe and what we have proven in the past. And we declare tonight that we will prove your word once again to be real in our 
pray that your word will speak through your servant to this people. And for those that are here tonight that may be in despair and wondering what to do and where to go and how to handle their situation, I pray, Father, that you would make yourself real to them, even right now, that you are alive. Father, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says? Amen. Amen. We've read a very familiar account in the Old Testament. Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses felt very inadequate. And he gave excuses, and we just read them, as to why he felt that he could not complete the task that God had called him to do. Now, I want to ask you at the beginning of this sermon, have you ever been asked to do something and you gave an excuse? Simply because you didn't want to do it. Statistics tell us that some of the most used excuses are, number one, I forgot. Number two, no one told me to go ahead. I didn't think it was that important. That's not the way we've always done it. Or one of my favorites in the office when someone calls and I don't know what to say, that's not my department. You'll have to call Pastor Grant or Pastor Jared or Pastor White. I'm waiting for an okay. Or that's his job, not mine, right? One writer gave one time a no excuses Sunday because we all have excuses for not doing things. And this was a little writing that they made, a no excuses Sunday for people that find excuses for not coming to church. I'd just like to read them to you. It says a certain church made the following announcement in their magazine. To make it possible for everyone to attend worship next Sunday, we are having a special No Excuses Sunday. Beds will be placed in the aisles for all those who say, Sunday is the only day I'm able to sleep in late. Eye drops will be provided for all those who watch TV too late on Saturday night. Steel helmets will be handed out to all those who say, the roof will fall in if I ever come to church. Blankets will be provided for all those who say the church is too cold, and fans for all those who say the church is too hot. We will have hearing aids for all those who say the minister speaks too softly, and earplugs for those who say the pianist plays too loudly. Scorecards will be available for all those who wish to keep a record of the hypocrites. Present. <laughs> there will be TV dinners for all those who find it difficult to attend church and prepare Sunday lunch at the same time. One section of the church will be devoted to trees and grass for those who like to see God in nature. And then finally, the church will be directed, decorated with Christmas decorations and Easter flowers for those who have never seen the church without them. A no excuses Sunday. Maybe tonight you're in your situation. God is asking you to do something as he is Moses in our text. And maybe your excuse is legitimate. And like Moses, you truly do not feel capable of a task. Maybe you've been using your excuses for so long that they are getting old. Whatever the case, we need to freshly realize tonight that God is always enough. Maybe 
what you feel God wants you to do may seem utterly impossible in your eyes. And let's kind of turn this a little bit. Maybe the situation that you find yourself in tonight may seem impossible as well. Because you and I both know that life is very uncertain. And we all know that sometimes life throws things at us that come out of nowhere and are completely out of our control. We cannot fix them. We cannot reason them out. We can't make sense of it. But life throws things at us and just completely sweeps us off our feet. And we don't know what to do. Maybe you're here this evening and your situation is like that. And it might be impossible in your eyes. Whatever the case, I want to tell you tonight that God is enough. Amen. God is enough. Maybe this evening you've been contemplating salvation for a long time now. And you have a long list of reasons why you could never live the Christian life. Maybe you have felt to witness to that co-worker or family member and you just feel like you simply cannot do it. Maybe you felt to find your place in ministry within the church, be it Sunday school, youth, kids alive, whatever. And you have good intentions, but you have not fulfilled that desire for various reasons, whatever the task. Or wherever you find yourself this evening, God is enough. God is enough. God called Moses to be a leader. He was to lead the children out of Egypt. But we're going to look closely tonight at Moses' four excuses as to why he felt within himself that he could not do this. Firstly, let's go back to verse, if you have your Bible, keep it open. Chapter 3, verse 11. Let's go there. Chapter 3, verse 11. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? We read here in this scripture that Moses felt insufficient. Insufficient. Moses questions God as to why God would choose him to lead the children of Israel. Paraphrasing now, I have no doubt, if Moses weren't probably talked to one of you or I, he would probably have said, there must be somebody more capable than me. There must be somebody more educated than me. Somebody more equipped. Somebody more confident. Yeah. You see, we've all felt like this at one point or another. If I were to ask you to be honest, every person in this building would raise their hand that there have been times when you have felt insufficient. Like you weren't in, like you were inadequate. Like you just didn't have enough. You couldn't do it. You weren't good enough. But we see after Moses poses this question to God, we go on to read God simply responds in verse 12 by saying, Certainly, I will be with thee. Now, that should have been enough. Certainly, I will be with thee. You see, Moses had one great advantage over Pharaoh and his army. Moses was being guided by God. He was not being guided by another army's leader or someone who didn't know what they were doing, but he was being guided by God. And we need to be reminded here this evening, every day we are being guided by God. When things 
things get rough, God is guiding us. When the task before us seems impossible, God is guiding us. When the pain of grief is overwhelming, God is guiding us. When nothing seems to work in our favor, God is guiding us. And we can take that promise. As God said to Moses, certainly I will be with me. God is saying that to each and every person in this building tonight. Certainly, I will be with me. My grandmother passed away some years ago. My grandmother was a pastor. I wish you could have met her. Some of you may have. My grandmother was a strong, focused, no-nonsense person. She was who she was. And I can see her now with her beehive hat. She had one in every color. Her beehive hat, standing beyond the pulpit. And I can see her now like it was yesterday. Standing to the side with one hand, one hand on the pulpit, and one hand outstretched, singing, I'll be guided by thee. I'll be guided by thee, thou shepherd of Israel. I'll be guided by thee. My grandmother proved that. It wasn't just words that she sang. But she put her trust in God, and I saw it as a child over and over again when my man would have to just give in to whatever was happening and say, Lord, you're going to be with me, and I will be guided by thee. You see, we need not feel insufficient when we are being guided by God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, my grace is sufficient. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. God would not forsake us. And in the same way, my friend, he will not forsake you this evening. No matter how weak the job looks. No matter how far in sin your loved ones have traveled. No matter how devastating the news, no matter how deep the sorrow, no matter how humanly impossible the situation, God is saying in this service, certainly, I will be with you. God is enough. God is enough. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, ha, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. There was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Praise Certainly, I will be with thee. You can take that to the bank this evening, that God is with you. Amen. Secondly, this evening, Let's move down in our text. In chapter 3, verse 13, and we see this dialogue continuing. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, 
What is his name? What will I say to them then? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, and sent me unto you. I want to read that in the NIV. Verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what, what, what am I going to tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What shall I say when they ask who sent me? We see here that Moses felt insecure. Insecure. Maybe he felt he didn't know God well enough to describe him to the people. And he lacked security concerning his relationship with God. But God says in verse 14, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. You see, God's existence is not contingent upon anyone else. His plans are not contingent upon any circumstances. He promises that he will be what he will be. That is, he will be the eternally constant God. He stands ever present and unchangeable. Aren't you glad tonight that God is unchangeable? Completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do and to accomplish what he wills to accomplish. When God identified himself as I am, who I am, he stated that no matter when, no matter where, he is there. Amen. It is similar to the New Testament expression in Revelation 1 and 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty God. This is true of him for all time. But it would have been especially appropriate for a message in Moses' day to a people in slavery who could see no way out. I am was promising to free them. Oh, and they could count on him. I am here to tell you this evening that I am that I am is sending you. And God is before you. He is not against you. God is in your corner tonight. God has your back. And whatever the enemy is throwing at you or putting in your mind, I come against it in the name of Jesus. I am
We seem to forget that he is the one who spoke and the world was created. We seem to forget that he created us one by one and we are his children. We seem to forget that he holds the breath that we breathe. He is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end, the bread of life, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. My God, I am that I am is the healer of every sickness. He's the restorer of relationships. He's the shelter in the time of storm. He's the able of rest, the mighty deliverer, our rock, our fortress, our song in the night, the faithful one so unchanging. Great. My God is everything. My God is everything. And in, even though Moses felt insecure, God comes and tells him, you're going to be fine, Moses, because I'm the one that is sending you. I am has sent me unto you. Thirdly, this evening, let's move on. Moses still didn't get it. He's a little bit slow, I think. And in chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Let's read it in the NIV. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me, or listen to me, and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Here we see that Moses felt ineffective. Ineffective. Here he voices a very human fear. The fear of rejection. Okay, God, if I go to these people and I say that I'm going to leave... What? What if they don't believe me? They might say the Lord did not appear to you. Well, what am I going to do then? And he felt ineffective. You see... We see here that he voices a very human fear, the fear of rejection. And rejection is never a pleasant feeling. Whether it's rejection from a job, rejection from a spousal relationship, whatever the rejection that we find can cause much pain and anxiety. Moses expresses this concern to God. Fear no doubt gripped him as he imagined himself going to the children of Israel and then rejecting what he was saying. God saw Moses' feeling of ineffectiveness. And in chapter 4, verses 2 to 9, he performed miracles to prove to the people that he indeed had sent Moses to be their leader. We're going to read there because I found it very interesting this week. Chapter 4, verse 2. Okay, so Moses says, What if they don't believe me or listen to me as say, The Lord didn't appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. Moses put his hand inside his cloak. When he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. Moses put his hand back into his cloak. When he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If 
believe you or pay attention to you at the first miraculous sign, they might believe the second. I think they were probably Pentecostal. Hard to convince. If they don't believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they might believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. God saw this feeling of ineffectiveness and he performed these miracles to prove to the people that he indeed had sent Moses to be their leader. And he instills this in Moses. You see, fear is a powerful feeling. Yes. And tonight, I know that you're in this building. In this, in, in a building with so many people, I know that there are people here that are wrapped with fear for various reasons. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the doctor's report. Fear of the future. Fear of rejection. I am so thankful tonight, and I stand on this verse. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. You see, oftentimes, we allow fear to overtake us. And we do not trust God fully in our situation. What if they don't believe me? Fear fills our minds with doubt. Fear claims the peace that God gives us. Fear overrides reality, and we are driven to dwell on the what-ifs. And in the midst of fear, church, yeah. oftentimes we forget that God is in control. Amen. And we often are guilty of doubting His power and His presence. And this fear of rejection, this fear of ineffectiveness, taunted Moses. And we see his dialogue here with God. In Joshua 1 and 5, God says to Joshua, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. Tonight I'm here to remind you, as God was with Moses, God is going to be with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you hanging high and dry. But God is here this evening. And he is here to take care of you. The promise still stands tonight. God is enough. God is enough. Let's go to number four. In chapter four, verse ten, Moses still didn't get it. And in chapter four, verse ten, let's read it. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent. Join the club, Moses. Neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Here we see that Moses didn't feel good enough and he felt incompetent. Incompetent means not having or showing the necessary skills to do something successfully. And Moses felt incompetent. He began to look at his weaknesses and not his strengths. Now, let's park here for one minute, church. This is where the enemy loves to be. Yeah. He loves to come in and to tell you what you cannot do. But he never tells you what you can do. He loves to come in and tell you what you don't have. But he never comes in and tells you what you do have. Always major 
answers are the negative. That's right. And instead of Moses looking and seeing what God was equipping him to do, Moses felt incompetent. He began to look at his weaknesses, as, as I've said, and not his strengths. He stopped looking at the provider, and he began looking at his problems. Oh, yes. boy, do we do that. Sign me up, because I do it. We look at our problems, and not the provider. He stopped looking at the way maker, and he began looking at the way stopper. Yes. <coughs> we are so guilty of this, and I said we we look away from what we have, what we have, and we dwell on what we don't have. We look away from our blessings, and we turn to our disappointments. But in verse 12, God tells Moses, and you can go on and read it. God says, I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. I challenge you this evening each one of us to look at what God has given us and not what he has not given us. That's right. You see, I learned a long time ago that I can gripe and complain all day long about as to why God didn't bless me with a specific talent and look away from what I can do for God. Many times we are guilty of focusing on our inabilities, our mistakes, <coughs> Because we've all made them. And the enemy will cause us to focus about our mistakes and our past. And the times that we messed up and will completely cloud us from where God has put us now. But all we see is our mistakes. And we have this feeling of, I'm just not good enough. Incompetent. We are guilty of focusing on our shortcomings, our past sins, our guilt. We are so good at doing this often that we miss out on what God really has for us and wants to do in and through us. And here's where Moses was. I'm not eloquent. I can't do this. I don't have the gifts to do this. Somebody else can do it better than me. I am thankful tonight that God made us who we are. Amen? Amen. And God made us to be who we are and what we can do. And I am thankful, bless you all, but I am thankful that no two of you are alike. But God made us all different and all unique. And that's the power that is in the creation of God. There's a song, and I'd like to repeat the words to you this evening, because I really like it. I don't sing it, but I really like it. The songwriter came the words, and I don't even know who the songwriter was, but he said, or she said, when I think of all my faults and all my failures, when I consider all the times I've let God down, I'm humbled by the grace he has extended. I'm amazed at the mercy I have found. I could never earn his love on my own, yet every time I come before his throne, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I am. And when he looks at me, he sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Amen. Even at my best, 
I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken life is all I have to offer him, and yet it is a priceless gift to him. The bitter mark of sin will never fade away, but I can come before him unashamed because I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you thankful tonight that you're redeemed? Yes. If you're thankful, can we lift a hand and thank God because we're redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And nobody can take that from us. We stand redeemed. Moses felt incompetent, like he wasn't good enough. Some years ago, I have no clue how long I've been, but I'm honest. Some years ago, we took a trip and we had a, a layover in Halifax Airport. And it was a bit of a lengthy layover, so I began to walk the corridors of the airport just to kill time. And I saw, I stood by the side and I saw a mom with a little child in a stroller and the child was disabled. Beautiful little child, but had some major deficiencies. And I stood back and I just observed this relationship going on between the mom and the child. And you could see the love for the mom. The love that the mom had for that child was completely overwhelming. You could just see it in her eyes and the way she cared for the child. And I began to think real hard. The mother's love was overwhelming as she looked past her child's inabilities. And in that airport, God taught me a lesson that day. One that I already knew, but one that became very real to me. And it was as if God said to me, I have made you. And I look past your incompetencies. I look past what you cannot do because I have made you to be who you are. And my creator loves me. And the little psalm says when he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. He sees me as worthy and not as I am. And right there in that airport, I began to thank God for who I was. And I began to tell God, thank you, Lord, because I messed up yesterday, but you still love me. Amen. And you don't hold that against me. Thank you, Lord, because in my weakness, you are my strength. And you made me to be me. I want to tell you tonight that whatever you feel incompetent about, whatever you feel like you're not good enough in, whatever the enemy will try to tell you that you don't add up, you can't do this because, I want to tell you this evening that you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And there is nobody that can take that from you. And we are his children. Moses was called for a purpose. The same way that you and I are called for a specific purpose. And God loves us. God loves you. I want to tell you this evening that God loves you. He does. The great and matchless love of God. God loves you. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. I am talking directly into someone's life here tonight. God loves you. God loves you for who you are. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I have a fifth point. We're going to go to verse chapter 4 and verse 13. 
before God. And then he makes one final plea. He's still didn't get it. In chapter 4, verse 13, Moses said, Oh Lord, I can hear the desperation. Please send someone else to do it. And we see that Moses was insistent. Insistent. I wanted to put persistent there, but I wanted to keep all in words. So I put insistent. Moses was insistent. Insisting or demanding something. And he says, Lord, please send somebody else. He insisted that God move on to someone else. I want to ask you tonight, have you ever been insistent with God? Yeah. I cannot do this. I've been there. I personally have been there. I cannot do this, God. This mountain is too big for me. I cannot go another day. My prayers aren't being answered. Where are you? And we often are insistent with God. I want to tell you tonight that I believe instead of being insistent, Moses should have been persistent. He should have continued firm, never giving up. Or as you say, push, pray until something happens. You see, persistent means, and we talked about it in a meeting I had this week, very briefly. Persistent means continuing firmly in a course of action. Persistent prayer. But Moses was insistent. Please send someone else. I love the verse that says, talking about persistent with God and persistent prayer, never giving up, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then the little chorus says, Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Teach me, Lord, to wait. You see, Moses had to realize that God is enough. The scripture goes on, and that's another sermon for another day. What happened when he did? God blessed Moses and was with him every step of the way. If you were to take it and read it, no, it wasn't always easy. God didn't promise Moses a problem-free journey, but he did promise to go with him, to strengthen him, and to care for him. All Moses had to do was trust in God and realize that God indeed was enough. In conclusion this evening, I don't know what your situation is, but I am here to tell you that God is enough. Can you say it with me? God is enough. Maybe God is not asking you and our musicians can come. He may not be asking you to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He may not be asking you to go overseas or to be a preacher. But maybe tonight God is asking you to be an encourager in times of discouragement. How I appreciate those types of people. Maybe he's asking you to be that prayer warrior who will stand in the gap. How we need you. Maybe he's asking you to fill a role in the church. And maybe this week, this is where the rubber meets the road. Maybe this week the enemy has challenged you to give up. To throw in the towel. 
try to tell you that your life would be better without God. I am here to tell you on the authority of God's word that God is enough. Yes, God is enough. Let's turn this now. Whatever God's asking you to do, God's going to help you. But let's turn this. Maybe your trial is huge. Maybe the hours are lonely. <clears throat> Maybe the hurts are deep. Maybe the pain is overwhelming. Maybe the fears are all consuming. And tonight, maybe the anxiety is overtaking. Whatever the case, child of God, God is enough. God is enough. God was enough for Moses. God will be enough for you. God is enough. The story is told of the American. You can choose a The story is told of the American who purchased the rolls. Royce, automobile. But he forgot to ask about the amount of horsepower that it had. When he sent his question to the makers in England, that came one word, adequate. Adequate. Or enough. I'm here to tell you this evening at the end of this sermon. You didn't hear another word I said. Tune in to me right now.
And oh God, I pray in these moments right now that this will become real in that heart that needs to know that you are enough. Lord, give us the strength that we need for tomorrow. Give us the perseverance to plot on no matter what the enemy may say. Father, I pray that you would give us a renewed passion for your word and for the truth that is in your word. Knowing, oh God, that you are in control and your word speaks life into us. Oh God, we commit each person to you. And we thank you, Lord, for the voice that we hear from you. We thank you for that still small voice that tells us what we need to hear. In the name of Jesus, we're going to sing prayerfully tonight as Jenna leads us. <laughs> 